this wasn't part of the plan. I'm on location in Ann Arbor because I don't know how to read a clock, but we are doing a show again here right in front of the big house on this episode of Locked On Wolverines. You are Locked On Wolverines, your daily podcast on the Michigan Wolverines, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Happy Wednesday. We are back and doing it. Locked on Wolverines podcast, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, where it's your team every day. I am your man on the ground, very much so right now. <laughs> I say, oh, publisher of Wolverines, where through USA Today Sports Media Group. If the, if it, unfortunately, the audio might not be amazing on this episode since I am not, I am equipped for indoor, not outdoor, but we're doing the best we can here uh, just because I did not get to do a Tuesday uh, night podcast as planned just due to extenuating circumstances. So we're doing a two for Wednesday. This is our morning version here, uh, although you guys won't see or hear it until the evening. But uh, we're going to continue on talking about uh, all things Michigan football following week one. Uh, there's a lot to still kind of delve into, and obviously we, we're going to learn a lot more as we kind of move along here uh, throughout this next uh, couple weeks, really, uh, because what can Michigan glean? I think we'll learn a lot more come Saturday against uh, UNLV. UNLV was able to rush for over 300 yards. It, it certainly is uh, their 1-0 coming into town. This is a little bit better of a team, I think, than anticipated. Potentially, we'll find out, of course, uh, playing a Mountain West team, obviously, is, it, it's a definite mismatch. But it will certainly test Michigan against a more inventive offense and things of that nature. Will Michigan be able to get home when it comes to the pass? Will it be able to continue to stop the run? Lots of questions will start to get answered. But what we've learned so far at this point is that Michigan has all the components that you really want to see. And I know people are, are, are really struggling, and sorry for the wind here, are really struggling to kind of make sense of the pass rush and the fact that that didn't really get home as well as the opposite side of the ball with the run game. The more that I, I think about it, having gone back and rewatched the tape and everything of that nature, the more I feel kind of like everything is where it's supposed to be. Um, a little worried about the camera falling down because it's not on a tripod, it's on a monopod and it is awfully windy all of a sudden. Uh, anyway, <laughs> So if you see, if, you, if, if suddenly I, you, you cut off and you know that it's going to happen again, um, well, that doesn't make any sense. You're, this is all edited post-facto. This isn't live. So anyway, uh, watching the pass rush, I certainly was a big fan of, again, Kenneth Grant. I thought Kenneth Grant was incredible. Michigan honored him with the, uh, Michigan honored him as the, uh, the player of the year, or not the year, player of the week on defense. And uh, certainly that, uh, that, kind of tells me that what I was seeing was relatively accurate. I mean, he was really busting up the the pocket, and ECU was certainly getting rid of the ball very, very quickly. And, uh, I mean, he wasn't the only one. I mean, we saw a couple. There were some that we didn't see very much of, but, like, Jalen Harrell was involved on, on several plays. Uh, uh, I, I feel like we saw Mason Graham involved in several, several plays. He was one of the higher-rated uh, guys, according to PFF as well. Uh, on the defense, certainly of those that were in the interior, Chris Jenkins um, and uh, Braden McGregor. I feel like all of those guys had uh, pretty good days. Uh, Eric Moore was right there as well. Uh, didn't really see a heck of a lot of Josiah Stewart. But again, these 
things aren't built in week one, right? Like I said last week, and I want to remind you, things that happen in week one do not reflect what happens down the road, right? Like Roman Wilson, he had an okay year last year. He really busted out in week one last year. Busted out in week one this year, for instance. Brandon Heron is the one that I like to point to, 2011, when Brandon Heron had the two pick sixes. Everyone was kind of raving about him. He was all over Sports Center, all that kind of stuff. And it turned out that uh, that was kind of a one-off, right? There's a lot of times that we see a lot of different players get involved in some of these early non-conference games only to kind of fall by the wayside by the time that they uh, actually uh, you get into the meat of the schedule. You know, you, you're able to trim the fat to some degree, as well as certain guys will step up, right? David Ajabo two years ago was not doing, didn't really do anything in week one. It wasn't until that Wisconsin game in week five that David Ajabo kind of put his stamp on the game, and it continued from there. So understand that whatever you're seeing right now is not going to be the finished product by any stretch. Now, you just want to see some guys string together some games. I think I might rewatch the thing that I was most, the person that I was most impressed with, uh, weirdly, was Cornelius Johnson. Like, Cornelius Johnson had the type of game where he was just consistent. Like, I mentioned him on Monday's show. Uh, being able to go and snatch that one first down out of the air. But, I mean, just several consistent plays. He was consistently open, consistently. I mean, granted, ECU was really stacking the box, right? Eight, nine, ten, sometimes 11 guys stacking the box. So it did create opportunities for those wide receivers. But at the same time, I feel like it was just a very methodical day for Cornelius Johnson, and that's not something that we often have seen from him. So I think that that is certainly something to look at and say, okay, that is really good news because Michigan's going to need Cornelius Johnson down the stretch. So on my rewatch, I felt like he really stood out. As I said, Kenneth Grant really stood out. Uh, I thought all of the linebackers, the, the, the three starters in particular, or the two starters plus Ernest Hausman, I thought that they were really quite incredible uh, throughout the day. So, I mean, that's these are all things that you look at and you say, okay, that's good. They need to build on that. They need to continue to get better. They need to continue to show what they can do in a lot of different facets. And they've got plenty of time to do that, right? Uh, I don't feel like that they're going to be significantly challenged down the stretch until you get to, I mean, Nebraska might be challenging. We'll learn more about Nebraska come this Colorado game. I'm not sure that Colorado is a heck of a lot better. It certainly is really good offensively not defensively. We'll see what happens when they face a good defense. That'll tell us more about what we can expect when Michigan goes to Lincoln in a few weeks. Uh, not as not as concerned about Minnesota. I'm not nearly as concerned as about Michigan State, and it's funny seeing like kind of narrative change as far as how the Spartans played in week one. Um, I, I feel like you have to take the first and the second half together, understand that, okay, they're, they may be not as bad as, you, as they were in the first half, but I don't think that they were necessarily as good as they were in the second. Right, it's it's a different story when it's a situation like Michigan did back there in in that building behind me when they they rush out to a 30 to nothing lead. At that point, the game is over. There's nothing barring some kind of complete collapse. That game is over. So it's it's going to be more though in those games that I just mentioned that we're going to know what this team is and how it's forged. So it will be interesting to see what Michigan does down the stretch. Uh, but we're going to go ahead and we're going to move on. We're going to continue talking about what uh, 
what this team has, what this team is building to, things that I'm, I'm excited to see against UNLV. We're going to do that here in just one moment. But listen, for a championship team, it's all about making sure every player is a perfect fit. It's the same when it comes to your vehicle. Every part needs to fit just right. So the next time that you need parts and accessories, head to eBay Motors. With eBay Guaranteed Fit, you can be sure every part you need fits right the first time around. Just add your ride to my garage and look for the green check to know that that part will fit or your money back. Because just like in sports, confidence is the name of the game when you shop on eBay Motors. And with over 122 million parts to choose from, you'll be back in the game in no time. After all, it's easy to bring home a win when the right parts are guaranteed. Get the right parts, the right fit, and the right prices on ebaymotors.com. Let's ride. eBay guaranteed fit only available to U.S. customers. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. sock on my microphone i don't have my lapel microphone i did promise we're going to do more on location podcast make this a little bit more fun for the uh those watching on video if you're listening on audio it is what it is right either way and i'm just making it worse by uh not having all of the proper tools at my disposal uh nonetheless um so we're moving on into yet another week of interim coaches i think this week is particularly interesting because you have the two coaches. Uh, Mike Hart is going to be coaching in the second half. We talked to him on Monday, and his idea was hopefully we have a big lead and I don't have to do anything other than just be, uh, the, you know, the, as they keep on saying, the guardian of victory. And uh, I, I am curious, though, to see if he comes out, does, does he keep swinging or does he just, if, if they, Michigan's up, you know, 30 to nothing or 23 to nothing, like how much does he try to add to that? How much does he try to pile on uh, in order just to kind of showcase his own capabilities and his own skills? Uh, and I think the thing, that, though, outside of that dual coaching thing, which certainly could be used by UNLV as a moment of, rallying right like look at how little they think of us they they're they're toying around with their coaching staff in the middle of our game i mean certainly i would take that as a sign maybe of some disrespect to some degree at least if i was trying to formulate some kind of something to grab onto that would be it um i i think that that could could be a thing but certainly michigan out will outmatch unlv there's no question about that uh, so it'll just be a, a question of how Michigan manages that. But I think the, the thing that I'm really excited about going into this game is having Sharon Moore back because we did see Michigan take advantage of the uh, of the stack box through the air, right? So if they see that again, if other teams find that to be the blueprint, right? Like Donovan Edwards mentioned last night, like, hey, TCU did the same thing. And, you know, we just need to find a way to overcome and we need to adapt to that. And this, certainly they did through the past game. Um, my question is, how do they figure out how to run? Because that's been the whole point of this entire offseason, the beat Georgia drill, all that stuff, was the team's going to try to stop us from running the football. We want to still be able to do it. And certainly they had moments of success still last week. It just wasn't maybe as emphatic as you would have hoped. So it's I'm curious to see what Michigan does in those cases. And having Sharon Moore back 
hopefully we'll give you a little bit more answers as to how that style of attack goes, not just from a run game perspective, but also from an offensive line perspective. Having that in-game coaching that Sharon Moore provides, that might be a little bit above and beyond having, uh, I believe Coach Gilbert was the, the guy who was working with the offensive line this last week. And, uh, you know, you, you're kind of returning home. It still might even be different compared to how Jim Harbaugh being at the helm, how he would dictate to Sharon Moore, who would then dictate to the offensive line. So Michigan is somewhat still, I mean, it's still a great situation as far as the personnel, all that kind of stuff. Uh, but Michigan still does, in fact, have a hand tied uh, behind its back at the moment. So I'll be curious to see what Michigan ends up doing in terms of how it adapts to moments in game now that they have at least one of the bona fide coaches back. They'll, they'll have the full complement of coaches again in terms of all the position coaches. They, they, they will be there now for the rest of the foreseeable Jim Harbaugh in a couple weeks. So it, it will be interesting to see how they end up working through some of the issues that they had this last game. Now they, they, they at least have some of their position coaches, well, the one position coach back. Uh, so that is something to look out for here coming up this uh, coming up this week. Uh, one of the things that I kind of glossed over was that the Harbaugh colloquialisms have continued to return. Uh, I When he said it, I, I kind of just... I don't know, zoned out or something. The wee fence, you know, it's not an offense, it's not a defense, it's a wee fence. And uh, I, I think that that's a pretty good sign. I know it's it's kind of innocuous, but it's a pretty good sign also of the mentality of this team. It is very reminiscent of uh, 2016, right? 2015, 2016, 2015, it kind of didn't really matter what the team was going to be. Jim Harbaugh was going to go out there, be quirky and all of those things and do, do things to call attention to him in the program. And we saw the same thing in 2016. When the team is having fun, Jim Harbaugh is going to have fun. And that's kind of what we were seeing on Monday when he's coming out there talking about all of these things, talking about watching the game at Sharon Moore's house. He did kind of avoid the question to some degree and then eventually came back to it. Like, how did you watch it? And he's like, oh, really good stuff from the team. Okay, but how did you watch the game? Uh, But you you still see him having fun. And I think that's always a pretty good sign. I've likened it to 2017. 2017, it was a stark contrast because Jim Harbaugh went from obfuscating when it came to personnel uh, while saying all kinds of forms had machine guns and Freddie P. Soft and all of these different things that came out in 2016. 2017, we moved from Shem- uh, from Chrysler over there, the, the press conference room there, to Schembechler Hall. Jim Harbaugh is very stoic. He's telling us everything we need to know about the depth chart. Uh, it it, it it's still says he feels good, but you, you could feel that the tenor had changed. At the moment, the tenor is still extremely high. Now, that shouldn't surprise anyone. I mean, this is the number two team in the country, still ranked number two, uh, despite the the new hotness of Florida State, of Colorado. I mean, Colorado's barely ranked, but you know what I mean. Uh, There there are certainly teams that everyone's getting behind at the moment, and we'll see if that continues. That's that's another thing that happens in week one uh, in college football is heavy overreaction to early season things, right? You know, Clemson looked better than Duke for two-thirds of that game. I mean, Duke came to play. I'm not saying Duke didn't come to play. I'm just saying Clemson looked better than Duke 
before it went on a turnover fest, missing field goals, turning the ball over in the, in the red zone, all of these things that allowed Duke to capitalize and then end up emerging with a huge victory. Week one overreactions abound, right? It happens every year. There's always some teams that everyone's like, yes, this is going to be the team. Kansas was, was that last year, right? I mean, it wasn't one that everyone's saying, okay, playoff. Like maybe people were saying about Florida State. Florida State, I think, is a little bit more warranted, obviously, to, to get that type of consideration. But with, you know, you always have these week one overreactions. One team does something, suddenly, woo. You know, right now it's it's certainly, in part, Duke. Certainly it's big-time Colorado. I use all that to illustrate that things change, and that will change for Michigan throughout the season. It is considered to be the, a, a team that, I mean, ESPN had their playoff picks. 13 of 15 people uh, picked Michigan. Uh, still, there's a couple holdouts. And that's the same thing that you can say about, like, Ohio State, right? Like, Ohio State still getting picks. Ohio State still in some of these power rankings is higher than Michigan. Uh, but at the same time, what we saw in week one might not be as bad. It might not be as good. So take everything with a grain of salt. Now, what we do know is what we saw back in that building behind me is a team going out there and doing what it was supposed to do. And I wouldn't expect that really. I, I, would, I could expect more. I did expect more. But it wasn't anything really less than what I would expect. That was just a simple, you know, run-of-the-mill beatdown. And Michigan's going to, you know, we've seen Michigan the last two years really build throughout the season. And I feel like their starting point is much higher. I do feel like even though these were our group of five teams that Michigan's facing, at least these first two, it's better than what they saw as far as the group of five teams in 2021. Obviously, they had Washington in there as well, uh, or even what they saw last year. Uh, Bowling Green notwithstanding, I don't think that that's a very good team. I expect that to be an uh, absolute evisceration. Uh, but nonetheless, I think that this team is just in a really good place. It's going to build, right? 2021, Michigan went to the playoff. Well, you know, there's some people outside of this region that's looked at it as, oh, that's a cute one-off. Uh, but Michigan struggled to beat Rutgers. Last year, Michigan struggled to beat a pretty good Illinois team. Uh, so th there are going to be moments early in the season when, when they're not looking quite as what they're going to end up as in the end of the season. They might have a one-off game in the middle of the season. So my whole point here is to not get too high, not to get too low. All right, so let, let's continue on here. Uh, we've got just a few more minutes. We're not going to go crazy here. We're doing two shows today, and uh, I, I know that this, the audio on this is not up to the typical caliber of what we do. I'm just doing with what we have with the time that I have. So we're going to continue on here in just a moment. tell you what I was not feeling college football season until week one finally came I don't know about you but the anticipation for me wasn't nearly as high as it's been in years past I've certainly had lots of times throughout the years where it's like a month out I'm listening to fight songs from every team out there I'm just getting hyped I'm getting psyched uh, and I, I really I really do consider myself just a general fan of college football right like I've, I've I, I remember I think it was 2017 I remember going to the prep kickoff classic a couple times, uh, I think because I had to go a couple days because of a rain out and everything. And I remember listening to one of those uh, those compilations of just a bunch of college fight songs. I'm just, you know, going through USC and Notre Dame and all of that. Uh, I don't know about you, but I like even listening to like 
to, to some of the fight songs from some of the rival teams. Because even though I'm still pretty adamant, I am I am very biased when it comes to Michigan State and Ohio State. I still root against those teams. Uh, I can still see them for what they are, right? But uh, I still I still uh, so, since I don't tr- in a traditional sense root for Michigan anymore and haven't since uh, tw- at the end of 2016, I am still very much rooting against their rivals. But I still, there's something about it. I, I was walking through New York City last year listening to Buckeye Battle Cry and uh, whatever the-, the opening song is. I can't remember. It's a French name. And uh, I was getting hyped. Not because I'm like, oh, yeah, I really love Ohio State or anything like that, but just because it was a situation where I, I, could- I was picturing myself being in the shoe right before Michigan comes out, knowing like, okay, here it is. That's the great thing about college football, right? You you don't have to like a team to love their, you know, you can hate a team and love their traditions. And I do, that's the greatest part of it, right? And even like things that I hate, like Notre Dame is always has a, a, like it feels like their their band's always playing a bunch of things that I don't like hearing. Ohio State, even to some degree, like I, I don't love their band. And granted, when you're in Columbus, you don't hear their band very much. Kind of like what's starting to happen in the building behind me. It didn't feel like I heard the Michigan marching band much, if at all, all game, because you're hearing the piped in music and that really makes me sad. But that's the great part of college football is you get a little bit of all of these different aspects and that's what makes everything different and it makes it great is that I actually am like, I hate, I hate this team or I don't like this team. You know, or there are teams that I used to hate that I don't hate anymore. Florida State, Miami, teams that I used to hate. I'm probably kind of going back on the Miami thing a little bit, but uh, but I love their traditions, right? I, I love hearing, I love seeing Chief Osceola going out there. And then it, it, part of it goes back to some of this, like, it's not that warm out right now. It's what, seven, well, it's 78 degrees. I'm wearing a sweatshirt, but um, it's 78 degrees, but... You know, you look at these overcast skies, and I think about when I was tuning into games when I was a child, and it's like you turn on and there'd be a Florida State home game, and the, the skies would look this overcast, but you just you could see the thickness of the humidity in the air. And Chief Osceola runs out and puts the the spear in the ground. That's what makes college football so cool. Is that hey, I don't even like that program. I grew up being told you're not allowed to root against or you're not allowed to root for Florida State or Miami or Georgia Tech because uh, my I had family down in, in Atlanta and part of them, some of them were uh, well, actually it was just mostly my Uncle Donnie he was a Florida fan and a Georgia fan go figure, more of a Florida fan than a Georgia fan, but he lived in Atlanta so he kind of embraced uh, Georgia a little bit and so I, I wasn't allowed to root for those teams but, so, but still, like the idea of seeing those schools it just was a cool situation. Uh, last thing here is I do want to talk a minute about the uh, the building behind me here. Uh, you see the scoreboard if you're watching. Uh, it's at shoulder length for me because of just the way I have the camera positioned. But uh, I, what I thought was really cool is I do feel like it trapped some of the sound in. I tweeted about that. It definitely felt a bit louder, especially at the earlier earlier in the game. Right now that wasn't going to be a loud game all the way through. Uh, it wasn't going to be something that was going to necessarily uh, <laughs> be, you know, one of those games where it was high on the decibel level. Uh, I'm curious to see what it will be like when Ohio State's here, how loud it will be. I wasn't down on the sidelines for the 2021 game. I was up in the press box, so I'll be curious to see now, especially if Michigan, if, if the fans are feeling like it's coming, the win is coming, how loud is it in there? 
And I've heard it loud with the old scoreboards and, and everything. It's, it's intermittent in Michigan Stadium. The loudest I think I've ever heard was kind of the end of that Northwestern game in 2015 when it was kind of like this feeling of like they're on to something to shut out. Everyone's behind Jim Harbaugh. Felt like suddenly the, the tables had turned from the last couple of years and it was so loud in there. Uh, that That's probably the loudest I can remember it being down on the sidelines. Certainly the Ohio State game would have been louder, but I wouldn't be able to tell in the press box. But nonetheless, I feel like the scoreboards help contain the sound a little bit more, which I think is an exciting thing. All right, we're gonna be back with another show here uh, later tonight. That is the plan and the goal. Uh, so we'll get into some of these things that we're meeting with the coordinators today. We'll talk about uh, what, what they had to say. Well, not the coordinators, sorry, a couple of assistant coaches. See, this, this is why I didn't do If I did a show yesterday, uh, early, the plan was to do it at night. I was so just beyond exhausted. And uh, But we're going to get our five days in every day, I mean, every week. See, I can't speak. We're just going to call this. Thanks for watching. Thanks for listening. We'll talk to you again soon. Peace.